Open your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 to 13. And I'm excited about the word of the Lord for today. John 6, 1 through 13. And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Hey, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in numbers about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets, with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for the privilege you've given me over the years just to come and be a part of what you're doing here. I thank you for the leadership you have brought forth in this house and the generational leadership. We thank you that for many years to come, until you tarry, until you come, we will be here seeing your gospel go forth to the city and to the world. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would come upon me. Come on, people. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's pray for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Lord, in the few moments I have remaining in this service, I'm asking you to move in power. Come upon me. Give me great liberty in preaching. I pray for an anointing upon every person here. Give us ears to hear, a heart to respond, and eyes to see. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I've come tonight to impart a spiritual gift to you. This is what the Apostle Paul said to the Romans there in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. It's been about three years since I've been able to be with you. COVID's kind of stood in the way. The gift that I'm about to impart to you is of such nature that when you receive this gift, it will transform your life from this point on. And not only that, but it'll transform the church and it'll transform everyone around you. You say, what in the world is this gift? Well, we see it operating in this incident in the life of Christ. You know the story. It's a story that's recorded in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000. It was really, it says 5,000 men. That's a Jewish way of counting. But they had women and children there. So you're looking probably at a crowd of about 20,000. And you'll notice that... It's only in the Gospel of John that we see how this miracle happened. Jesus asks a question to Philip in verse 5. Fascinating question. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, why would he ask Philip that? Well, they were in the area of Bethsaida, and Philip was from Bethsaida. So if anybody was going to ask somebody, it would be Philip. Now, 
What's interesting is does Philip answer his question? No. He doesn't answer it. All he says is, look, we don't have enough money. He doesn't answer Jesus' question. All he could see was the crowd and the fact that they didn't have any money. Sounds a lot like us when God asks us to do something. He missed the point. Jesus, in that moment, was sharing his vision. He was about to do something. He was sharing his desire of what he wanted to do. He wanted to feed the multitude. But all, all he could see was the cost. Well, Andrew picked up on it, Simon Peter's brother, and he pops in and he says, there's a boy here who's giving his lunch of two small fish and five small barley loaves. These weren't big loaves. These were little, and I lived in the Philippines. These were pondesals. They were about this size, barley loaves, the cheapest bread you could get. And he should have stopped right there, but then he went on to say, well, what is that among so many? He saw the little, not the miracle, so much like us. But there was a boy. There was a boy who heard the vision and responded and gave. Think about it. He gave his lunch. That's all he had. I don't know about you, but I don't know of any boys who want to give away their lunch. Oh, there was one time. It was when I was a boy in the Philippines. My wife had some people helping them, and she happened to say to one of the ladies that was helping her, would you make a sandwich for my son, egg sandwich and a peanut butter and jelly? She didn't probably hear the end, and so when I opened my lunch pail, I opened it up, and there was a fried egg smashed over peanut butter and jelly. I couldn't give it away. I tried. But you know what? It was all that Jesus needed. It was all that he needed. All he needed was a person who could hear his vision and respond. The gift the boy operated in is the gift of giving. You say, the gift of giving? Yes, it's a spiritual gift. It's recorded in Romans 12, 8. If it is giving, let him give generously. He's, he's listing the spiritual gifts. Now, we all know prophecy, and we love prophecy. We, in fact, in the next few weeks, we'll have one of the largest prophetic conferences in the nation at my church in Maui in Honolulu. Paul talks about it there, and, and, and we love the gift of healing, and we love all these marvelous gifts, but when was the last time you heard about the gift of giving? But it's a profound gift. It's a supernatural gift. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, just as you excel in faith, in, 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 in knowledge, and in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the gift of giving. This gift is seen profoundly in Acts 4. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why is the story of Barnabas told at the end of Acts 4? Let me remind you what the story is. <clears throat> Barnabas, his name was Joseph. 
But he did something that affected the entire church. What he did was he sold a piece of property and he laid the money of that property at the apostles' feet. Now, this is a, this is a public act, guys. It's a public act. <clears throat> that one act released something. It released the gift of giving in the early church, so much so that in Acts 2 and in Acts 4, it says there were no needs. Now think about it just for a moment. There was no lack. Why that story is told at the end of the book of, of, of chapter 4 of Acts is because that act demonstrated a spiritual gift that was being released in the church, so much so that a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira were so impacted by what he did that they said, let's do the same thing. Oh, okay. So they sold a piece of property, and boy, did they make a lot of money on it, more than they thought. And, and they thought, well, you know what? I don't think we ought to give all of it. They didn't have to give anything. They could have given a half of it if they wanted to, but what they did is they gave a portion of it, but they said they gave it all, and they lied to the Holy Spirit, and you can read there in Acts 5, they were struck dead. That gift of giving was so profound that the apostles changed Joseph's name to Barnabas, son of encouragement. You say, now, Pastor, why would I want the gift of giving well, you can make a difference because without that gift, there would be no church like this. Without that gift of that little boy, there would have been no miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. There would be no incredible outpouring of the spirit of generosity in the early church. No, no, you need person among us. Keep in mind, what is the goal of all of us? It's to advance God's kingdom. And you can't advance God's kingdom without resources being released. Some people say, well, you know what, I, I don't know about giving. Listen, all you've got to do is read 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9 and study it. There's a whole theology of giving that will blow your mind. In fact, one of the things we all have to be mindful of, we're all going to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. And on that day, we have to give an account for what we've done. I want to be like that little boy. I want to be certain I heard the vision of the Lord and I responded. But there's some promises that God gives us. He who has, more will be given. If you're faithful in the late little, he'll make you rulers over much. In Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. will be put into your bosom for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. My son preached a little offering teaching one day. It impacted me. He said, you know, a lot of people when it comes to this verse, oh, they're giving but they're using a teaspoon to give to God. And the problem is if you use a teaspoon to give to God, you only get a teaspoon back. Some people have more faith so they give a shovel's worth. Well, when you give a shovel's worth, shovel's worth comes back. He said, I'm going to get a backhoe. Because the backhoe comes back. You see, we'd have no idea of the power of the Lord when it comes to this gift. It is absolutely profound. You see, God is El Shaddai, the God of plenty, the God who's more than enough. He's not El Chipo, 
And you will know something about God. You see it in the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. There's always leftovers. So here's the way it works. If I say, I'm going to be used in the gift of giving, and I begin to move in the gift of giving, God has to give resources to you so you can do that. But the amazing thing, there's always leftovers. You say, Pastor, how, how, how do you know about this? How did this happen in your life? Well, in 1980, I came to Maui. It was a little church, poor church. Came to a church of 100 people, 80 adults, 20 kids. God had given me a vision of what he wanted to do on that island. I was a young man, 30 years old, just a few years older than Pastor Tellus. So I'm real thrilled that he's leading. Of course, I love the bishop, and I love Brother Kircher, and everybody else in here, and I got to meet A.J. today. I came to that church with a vision that God was going to impact the island. But the income of the church for a whole year was only $50,000. That's 4000 a month came into that church. Out of that, you had to pay the pastor, all the missionaries, all the upkeep of the church. And I said, God, how's this going to work? He said, you teach on giving. Never be intimidated to receive an offering. And then he said, you model it. Well, I didn't know all that that meant. But five months into our ministry, I had a banquet. It was an appreciation banquet. It was just to say thank you to the workers who had been there before I'd even come. And I brought in a guest who spoke on sowing and reaping. I didn't know what he was going to speak on, but he spoke on sowing and reaping. And at the end of the service, he challenged the people at the banquet to give a special gift and to give it within, uh, I think it was two months. And I'm sitting there and saying, Lord, what do you want me to give? And I felt the Lord say, give $5,000. What? Now, that may not be a lot of money to you today, but back then, I didn't have 5000 In fact, I didn't have anything. In fact, the church couldn't pay me what I was getting paid when I pastored in Honolulu. And, so I'm, and not only that, but I owned a home in Honolulu that I couldn't rent and I couldn't sell. And so every dollar I, that the church was giving me went into rent a house. So, I mean, I barely had money to eat, let alone try to give 5000 so I figured, well, if this is God, then my wife has to confirm it. She was in the nursery that night. I ran out to the nursery. I said, honey, I feel like I ought to give 5000 What do you think? She said, well, whatever God told you. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I wrote out a little thing and said I was going to give 5000 Well, I had no way of getting it. I had no savings. My wife wasn't working. She was a homemaker. And she worked, but she didn't get paid for it. And time started clinging by. So I said, well, I'll go to the bank and try to borrow the money. So I went to the bank. And, you know, I found out something about banks. You go to a bank to loan money when you don't, when, to borrow money when you don't have money. But they won't loan you money unless you have money. <clears throat> well, if I had money, I wouldn't go to the bank. <clears throat> Strange. So I'm talking to the banker. I said, I'd like to borrow 5000 He said, well, let me see your finances. Well, I showed him. He, he said, how are you living? He said, I can't loan you any money. I was so disappointed. Well, that next month, <clears throat> my house in Honolulu went into escrow. It didn't, it sold, but it didn't close. It was just an escrow, and I was running out of time, so I thought, well, I'll go to the banker, and I'll say, look, hey, 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 my house is in escrow. It's going to close. Uh, can you loan me $5,000? 
I think God just had mercy on me through that banker. And the banker said, okay. So he wrote out a check for 5000 Never forget it. He handed it to me. And I got up ready to leave. And then he asked the stupidest question I've ever heard. He said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to give it away. You have never seen a look like that on a banker's face. Well, the house did close. I was able to pay it back. And a year later, our church had grown so large, it had grown to 1,000 people. We moved into the largest facility on the island, a large skating rink. We were leasing it. They allowed us to move in on the first Sunday of 1982. We were to be in escrow for four months and had to raise a large down payment and uh, then lease the facility. We had to buy out the skating rink company is what it was. And something happened that first Sunday in that building. I had a guest speaker. He spoke. He was a healing evangelist. He spoke, and uh, people were touched. But I, I did what I normally do. I received an offering for our guest speaker at the end, and I'm standing there ready to close the service. I was just getting ready to close the service when a lady stopped in the center aisle, just stood there. Now, normally, if somebody in the middle of the ser- you know, at the end of the service standing in the middle aisle, you'd get an usher to escort them out. But I knew the lady. She was a businesswoman. She owned a hairdressing shop, and I knew her. She's a sharp lady, and I, I stepped down from the pulpit, and I went down to her, and I said, can I help you? She said, Pastor. She's holding something in her hand. She said, Pastor, God spoke to me to give the most precious thing I own. And she opened her hand, and she began to cry. It was a gold nugget from Alaska on a gold chain. Little did she know she was doing a prophetic act because today we're building the largest church building in the state of Alaska, $23 million, and God's going to give me that state. She had no idea, neither did I. I. I remember taking that locket in my hand, and all of a sudden a guy in the back raised his hand and said, I'll give my motorcycle. Another guy said, I'll give, my, I'll give my horse. Another guy said, I'll give my property on the big island. And then something happened that's never happened since. Never happened before. It's never happened since. It's only happened one time in 42 years of ministry. People started taking their diamond rings off, their watches off, and started giving. I I didn't know what to do. I was shocked. I said, well, I guess we'll receive an offering. And I'm standing on the stage, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to give? And in a still small voice, I heard the Lord say, give your salary for three months. I thought, uh, Three months. I mean, I could fast for maybe a month, but I had three small kids. I had three small kids. I had a wife. I had house payments. We just finished building our home. I said, you know, my wife's going to have to confirm this. She was, she was sitting in the auditorium. And she was praying the same prayer. Lord, what do you want us to give? And we just finished our home. And here's what she said in her prayer. She said, Lord, if you want the house, we'll give the house. And right then I called her to the stage. And she says, oh, no. He's going to ask for the house? I came up and never forget it. She was standing next to me, and I whispered in her ear. I said, honey, I think we're supposed to give our salary for three months. Well, it wasn't the house. She was excited. (laughs) She said, well, of course. I began to cry like a baby. I don't know if it was because the Holy Ghost was on me or I was just feeling sorry for myself. Because I had no idea how I was going to do that. I didn't have any savings. She wasn't bringing in any money. And how do, you, how do you feed a family? Pay your bills. 
I announced it to the congregation because I didn't want to back away. And I'll never forget, we took over the skating rink. My kids were skating in the skating rink one night. And one of them came up to me and said, Daddy, can, can we buy a, a soda in the snack shop? Now, I'm the president of the snack shop, but I'll never take something I don't pay for. That's wrong. You don't, you don't rob from God. So I, I said, I'm sorry, honey, I don't have any money. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but it was, it was heartbreaking. And when I got home, I got serious with God. I said, God, look, 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 this is serious. You've got to do something. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to raise up a widow in the church, just like I did for Elijah, and she'll support you. I didn't even know we had any widows in the church, let alone anybody with money. Did you know for two months, the month of January and February, God raised up three widows, and they, they sent money in the mail. Three widows. And I had enough money to pay my mortgage and, and everything else. And there was a lady that every week would stop by our house. Now, this is in 1982. Would stop by our house and leave bags of groceries. That same lady, 40 years later, stops by my office every Sunday morning and leaves groceries at my office door. Forty years later. Well, I was elated. But there was a problem. The month of March, the widow stopped giving. And I thought, God, something wrong with your calendar? What happened here? But did you, did you know what happened? You know that when I sold that house... A year earlier, I sold it on an agreement of sale. That meant the man had two years to pay it off. And he decided to pay it off a year early in the month of March. And that money came in. I was able to tithe on it. And you can tell by my anatomy, I've never gone without a meal. Praise <laughs> Jesus, unless I'm fasting. That launched me into a realm I didn't even know existed. The realm of supernatural giving. And it was in... 19, <clears throat> 1989, Lord spoke to me. He said, when are you going to recognize the gift of giving in your congregation? I said, well, God, I've never heard of such a thing. And he began to unfold this to me. Now, I'd been operating in the supernatural gift, but I didn't know there it was a gift. And what happened? He said, look. And I told him, I said, how am I supposed to recognize the gift of giving? I don't know who gives the most. I mean, you, you recognize a widow woman who gave two pennies, and you said she gave more than everybody else. How am I supposed to know what the biggest giver is? He said, well, you leave that up to me. When they get to heaven, we'll know. But you do know who I'm using to resource my kingdom. I want you to honor them. So I began to do that. Well, over the years, our church has grown dramatically financially. But it had to happen in me. And in 1996, God challenged me and said, look, I want you to start giving $1,000 a week, 52000 a year. I'm a pastor. I'm not a businessman. <clears throat> that may not be a lot of money to you, but it was a huge amount of money to me. And I said, well, God, how am I supposed to do that? That's enormous. He said, well, you trust me. I said, yeah, yeah okay. He gave me one idea in the option market. I did 23 successive trades without a failure. That's a miracle. If you've ever been in the option market, if you do 50%, that's huge. I did 100%. He told me to get out of the market. 
when I did the 23, but I was so good. <laughs> I said, oh, I, I got to do this one more deal. Well, in that one more deal. Now, we had a deal. God got, how it worked, I got 10% of whatever came in. God got 50%, and the 40% we used for reinvestment. Well, God got all his money, but I should have listened to him because I lost all mine. But he got all his, and that year we gave 64000 and then next year 58, then 52, and then 68. And then when it hit 68 in 2000, he said, I want you to double it. I want you to give over 100000 a year. Well, we've been doing that, and it's grown two years ago. We hit 150000 and last year we gave over 230000 It's all supernatural. I can't tell you how it happened. You say, well, you're a big speaker. You get big honorariums. Oh, give me a break. I never asked for anything. I was telling Pastor Tellis how I went to a church in New York. I paid my own way, paid my airfare, paid my hotel, paid my, paid my car, spoke. You know what they gave me for an honorarium? A Coke. I should have kept the Coke, put it on my shelf in my office to remind me. But I was thirsty. And I opened that Coke. And I drank it. <clears throat> but the next place I went to, they gave me such a big honorarium, I was embarrassed. God is my supplier. But I began to learn something about giving that I could never outgive God. You know that house? God did ask for the house. My wife gave it when we built the cathedral. We sold it, gave all of it. I was renting a home, and I was sitting on, a, on the side of a hill in one of the nicest areas of central Maui. My kids were playing in the park there. We liked to go up there. It was up on a higher hill, and it's a beautiful place. And we were sitting there, and the Holy Ghost came on me. I turned to my wife and said, we're going to own a home in this area. She said, no way. We built a home in that area, paid it off. God has prospered me. I was, I was asked to go with Dr. Cho. I've been on his board for 38 years. He came, went home to be with the Lord a year ago. But we went to um, India to preach. I've never had this happen. I've traveled with him in many nations. Never had this happen. But, I go to, but before I went to India, God spoke to me and said, I want you to take everything you have in the stock market, sell it, and give it. So I didn't have a lot, but it's mine. But I obeyed him. Never forget it. Called my stockbroker. I said, sell everything. Wrote out a check. Gave it to the church. And off I went to India. Never happened before. Never happened since. I'm standing with preached thousands of people. A guy comes up to me with a bundle of $100 bills and says, this is for you. That's never happened. I'm on my way through Singapore. And a friend of mine was living there. <clears throat> happened to call and we had lunch together. I'm just sitting there eating lunch. And his wife turns to me and says, before we came to lunch, the Holy Spirit spoke me to give you this. And she handed me a check. It was a check for a lot of money. Then they took me to a watch company, and they bought the most expensive watches for me. And when I got home, my stockbroker said, you know, while you were gone, I bought an IPO for you. That's an initial price offering, a company that goes public. He says, you owned it for a few hours, and... You made a lot of money. Here it is. Did you know God gave me back every dollar I gave him? Plus more. Somebody say amen. amen. 
I close with this because our time is running out. A number of years ago, the Lord gave me a dream. In this dream, he showed me that I was to buy something. He told me how much the price was going to be on a sign in my dream. He led me to the property, and by a miracle of God's grace, I was able to buy it for the exact price. I was in escrow when 9-11 happened, and all the airlines shut down, everything, and I thought, wow, I probably made a mistake, but because I bought it for the price of my dream, which was impossible to do, I kept it. And when <laughs> three or four months later, all the people that made a huge amount of money in California in the dot-com industry, they decided to buy property in Maui, and the price of that property went into the millions. I could never buy it today. Again, my wife and I have given over $3 million into our church. That's made not a lot of money to you, but it's a huge amount of money to us. God, in one investment, gave me back everything I've ever given to him and more. Now, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. This is not a little religious game to kind of elicit something from you. I know what I'm talking about. A little boy caught the vision and gave, <clears throat> and there were leftovers. A pastor on Maui caught a vision. And the people in that church have caught a vision. The only reason we can do what we're doing now, we're almost up to 500 congregations now. We're building, we're in 11 building programs. We're in, I mean, please help me. We need millions. It's God's, God's doing something. But it's the gift of giving that's been released. Now think about it for a moment. Your church right here has a vision. The Lord has spoken a vision to your pastor. You're going to open extension churches throughout D.C. And you're going to have a revival here. Now, here's the question. You've heard the vision. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm just going to wait and see. No, and you'll miss out. Because there's a supernatural realm. I can't explain it. But my people know everything about it. Had a young couple recently get up and say, Pastor, we gave more this year than we've ever given. We got more. We bought our house cash. We, uh, we, <clears throat> we keep shoveling it out, and God keeps shoveling it in. I can't do that. There is something deeper than you may ever know until you move into that realm. My time is up. But I'm going to release the gift of giving today. I don't know if I've been able to explain everything to you. I could go on for hours. But I'm going to ask you to be involved in something. Normally you receive an offering for your guest speaker, but I asked your pastor. I said, look, I've been coming here for, I think, for the last 16 years. And um, I remember when you were building this building and the Lord laid on my heart to receive an offering for this building. Some of you were there. And I just believe in your vision for eight extensions throughout the city, every area having extension. If you would have told me years ago when I went to Maui that would be one church in 500 campuses, you know what our vision is now? It's by 2025, we'll have 1,200 congregations ministering to 120,000 by 2025. It's happening right now. Right now. 
say, well, what about the money? You don't think God, who created the world, can figure a way to get us the money? You think he can't bless you? He's waiting on you like a little boy who gave what he had, and God did the miracle. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I came prepared. I'm going to give $1,000 tonight. You mean you're the speaker, and you're going to give? Yeah, I'm going to give. I'm going to plant a seed. And I believe there's, there could be 100 people here tonight who could do the same. I don't know. Some of you may say, $100,000? Oh, man, that's nothing. That's chump change, man. I'll, I'll give 50000 Well, praise Jesus. Go for it. <laughs> I don't know. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. They gave me an envelope. I want the ushers to come real quickly. If you need an envelope. Now, I know you guys go everything online, but I'm old school. If I went online, I'd probably mess it up. But I'm going to write a, a credit card on my envelope. If you need one of these envelopes where you can do it with a credit card or you're going to put cash or a check or whatever, then just raise your hand. The ushers have envelopes for you. If you're going online, please do so now. Please. And here's what's going to happen. Listen to me, please. This is very important. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. <clears throat> if you're going online, I'm going to ask you to take your phone and hit the front. If you're going to use an envelope like me, you're old school, then <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to just lay the envelope on the altar. You say, why do you have me do that? Because there's an important thing that happened when Barnabas took that which he gave and laid it at the apostles' feet. There was a release. I want a release in this house for the finances that are going to be needed to fulfill the vision God's given your pastor. Does that make sense to you? And the joy of fulfilling the vision is you get to be a part of it. And the blessings that come with that vision come on you. So if you need an envelope, just raise your hand real quickly. We need some up here in the front. They're, they're old school like me. Praise Jesus. And I'm going to, uh, <clears throat> the worship team's going to come. They're going to lead us in worship. I'm going to write out my um, gift. And if you're ready to give, you've already tapped the, the text to give or whatever you're doing, then we're, as we worship, as we worship, just come on up and tap the front if you're using a phone or come with an envelope and bring it to the front. Would you come as we worship? Yes, we worship you. 
be asking pastor how do I how do I get into this unique supernatural realm of giving start by tithing you see when you tithe you haven't given anything you've just returned to God what says you've honored him with the 10% but here's what I'd ask you to do is have a vision for this year what is it that you want to do for God this year my wife and I every year Say, this is what our goal is to give. Last year, our vision was to give 200,000. He allowed us to give beyond it. And we gave our brains out. So much so, it's the first time my wife ever said, I don't think we can do that. And she, I said, pray about it. And she, she prayed and she said, okay, honey. And God, God proved himself. This year, our goal is to give over 300,000. You say, how are you going to do that? I have no clue. It's a vision. It's a vision. And then everybody ought to have a dream. You say, what's the dream? I'll tell you what my dream is. I won't tell all of it, but here's one of my dreams. I'm going to stand before my congregation one day with a check in my hand for a million dollars that I'll be giving to the church. A one-time gift like that. You say, oh, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. You say, well, why would you need that? Listen. God's the God of vision and dreams. According to your faith, be it done unto you. I wish that wasn't in the Bible. Because I like to blame God for what I don't have. He said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. I said, oh God, give me faith. So we're going to pray for the gift of giving. If you still have something to give, quickly come. Put it here and knock Knock the stage with your phone if you need to. Quickly come. I want you to be a part of this. I'm going to ask the pastors to come, please. Just come stand up here. with. Just come stand here and lay your hands on, on the front of this stage. Pastor, tell us. And other pastors, come, Phil. We're going to pray. Now listen, 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 guys. Listen. 
In a moment, I'm going to release a gift. Just as Paul said he was going to do when he came to Rome. I'm going to pray that the vision that God has given your pastor will be fulfilled. And it'll be fulfilled just like the vision of Jesus was fulfilled when a little boy gave his lunch all he had. And in the next few weeks, there'll be opportunities for you to give. Don't ever miss an opportunity. Reach your hands out to them. Let me reach my hands out to you. Lord, as I lay hands on Pastor, give him the gift of faith and the gift of leadership to lead this great congregation into this new realm. What you've done for me, do for him and for these pastors. I reach my hand out to this great congregation. Oh God, release to them the gift of giving. May it be so profound that family members and neighbors say, what's going on? Accountants will be shocked by what God's doing through you. And may this church have the resources it needs to fulfill the vision you have for them. I declare it done in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, if you believe God's done something for you, I want you to give the Lord great praise. Would you do that? Oh! Can, I, can, can I share something with you? You know that little church that could only give 50000 a year when I came? Last year with its not only the church, but with its auxiliary ministries like Family Life Center and other things, gave 36 million. That's a big difference. If God can do that on a little island like Maui, surely he can do that in Washington, D.C. Give praise to the Lord, what'd you do? What'd you do? Listen, before your pastor comes, I want every head bowed, please, and everyone praying. I never want to close the service without giving people an opportunity to get right with God. Listen, money is not a big deal to God. He's got streets of gold. Come on, give me a break. And that's, he made it that way so he could bless you. Because you're interested in that. What he's really interested in is your heart. He came and died on a cross for one purpose and rose again so you could be saved. You could enjoy his presence forever. Please don't turn him away. With every head bowed, everyone praying, you'd say, Pastor Morocco, look, I'm not right with God. If I were to die tonight, I don't know for certain I'd go to heaven. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that be you, would you just slip your hand up real high quickly? Put it up. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. Maybe you're here saying, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but I drifted away. I'm not where I should be with God. I need to make a new commitment of my life to Jesus. Let me see your hand too. Raise it up real high. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many. Everyone lift both hands to the Lord. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, well, I've prayed this a thousand times. Pray, make it a thousand and one. I call it the sinner's prayer. Let's pray. 
Say it with me out loud. Dear Jesus. Say it out loud. Dear Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. You died for me on the cross. You rose again so I could have eternal life and freedom from sin. I commit my life to you. Become my Lord, my Savior, my King. And I will serve you with my whole heart. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you give praise to the Lord? Thank you.